Welcome all and welcome everyone to another episode of Red Jacks On. As the night rests and Christmas draws closer, we are back to warm your winter cold December. So fear not, because we are here. I am your host, Sirhan, and with me as always are my nearest and dear. Charles St. Charlius, fuck it. <laughs> You're <Double boy>. town. <laughs> Saint Rickness. Ho ho ho. Oh yeah. <laughs> Brazzle Bells. Brazzle Bells. Oh, he switched uh, it. Fraser's uh, 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 two for two, you know. No, 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 I bet his whole wall is just covered in Christmas puns. And it's like, I'm I've really. been thinking about this for weeks, mate. <laughs> right. I'm going to start off. I'm going to read the little heading and title of this. And then we'll jump into it. So, I start. Welcome all to Red Jacks On, where we talk, discuss, and jokes follow on. This episode is a festive mystery, as I explain Santa Claus, a very merry history. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I actually guessed you were going to do something like this. Yeah, boy. (laughs) History of Santa Claus. I kind of knew it. (laughs) You need some bells in the background. (laughs) I was going to say, and I'm going to say, I've done my own little bit of background research today of... um, Hugh, the royal royalty-free Christmas music now. Something chill, something nice. But now, jangle balls, jangle balls. Not quite. Man smells, Batman. Yeah, um, I, I've been researching this for the last maybe three weeks. I don't know why it popped into my head. I was like, "Yeah, I'll do this." And I'll be honest with you, I've enjoyed it so much. It's, <laughs> it's, it's put me in such a festive mood just to research it. Oh, nice. Awesome. Have you yeah, got? It's been, have you got decorations up, anything like that? Oh, dude, we went in. Like, we got lights okay. around and stuff, but we also made our own Christmas tree. Ooh, so, made uh, your own? Uh, out of what? Nice. Yeah. Well, we were going to crochet it, but I was like, okay, we didn't have the time. So we kind of... <laughs> Fuck I know, I know. It's Jesus gone to the next level. Christ. Jesus, that would have been mad. It's actually not that bad. You just crochet rings and then just place them on top. But oh. when I last went to London, I got my dad to make me a wooden base. Beautiful, like like hardwood base and then just almost like a skeleton of a tree like little like wooden uh, like dowels that meet yeah. in the middle so like a pyramid okay. shape and then all we did was just get really small long tinsel and just wrapped it around the tree consecutively threaded the lights in there we i bought some baubles and we made our own little christmas uh like decorations and stuff oh, it's nice. cool. that's cute that's cute yeah, yeah. you could just cut down a tree <laughs> that was my first choice and there's a lot in scotland <laughs> But then I, I saw was going to say, <laughs> Okay. So, yes. Cue the royal, royalty-free Christmas music. <clears throat> so I start today. <clears throat> it was the night before Christmas, all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. <clears throat> Stockings were hung, and children in beds dreamed of sugar plums dancing in their heads. Out on the lawn, such a clatter did sound. A miniature sleigh and eight reindeer around. Old Saint Nick, lively and quick, deliver toys in a moment's tick. The moment on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to the objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. 
Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comment, on Cupid, Donna and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. And down the chimney, he came with a bound. Dressed in fur, gifts all around. His eyes twinkled, his dimples, how merry. A right jolly old elf, plump and cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow. And the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held in his teeth. And the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. And laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night! Ho, ho, motherfuckers! That was my own epic part. That was good, mate. Did you write that? That was really in depth. <laughs> I like the rhymes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bars. Really well. Bars. Did that uh, say bars. that um, that Santa was an elf, or that he yes, had an elf? Did. It did say no, he was. He was an elf. Oh, that's crap. law, mate. That's, that's law. law. I'm Damn. glad you got you touched on that. So that law. was a very shortened version for our more well-versed Christmas. Shortened. Christmas. Jesus. That was a very shortened version. It was like this is. I put eight. Verses aside, it must have been like 12. What? Maybe 14. Yeah, well, I was like, let me research full full version of this poem. Dude, I I just took the highlights. So for anyone that's more well-versed in this, that was a shortened version of A Visit from St. Nicholas, or also known as Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Clark Moore, a professor of literature and theology. The poem was written on the night of December 24th, 1822 composed at Moore's home in Manhattan, NYC, Chelsea. Moore wrote the poem as a Christmas present for his six children. It wasn't initially intended for publication, but a family friend submitted it to the Troy Sentinel, a newspaper in upstate New York. The poem was first published anonymously on December 23rd, 1823. The poem gained immediate popularity and was reprinted in various newspapers and magazines. It struck a chord with readers due to its whimsical and magical depiction of Santa Claus and the enchanting atmosphere it created. Over the years, the poem became synonymous with Christmas in the United States and contributed significantly to the shaping modern image of Santa Claus. And that, as mentioned, is what this Red Jacks On's Christmas special podcast is specifically about. The man, the myth and the legend. Santa Claus, Saint Nick, Father Christmas and the man himself. What are we thinking, boys? Yeah, I'm not interested, to be honest. Don't really give a shit <laughs> yeah, about this. <laughs> Christmas. Scrooge all the way. Bah, humbug. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get my Plan B podcast out. That could be the next one. I'll be like, the Grinch! The Scrooge! Ah. Fucking <laughs> Scrooge. All the villains of Christmas. <laughs> that's, the, that's what the test was. If you guys were like, yay, Christmas, humbug, let's carry on. It's like, I hate Christmas, humbug. I'm like, and Plan B. I'll turn to this <laughs> That would have been yes. sick if you actually had that plan. That actually would be, yeah, but I haven't got that time and energy, boys. This one is 18 pages. <laughs> this one is 18. <laughs> so, uh, intro aside now, we jump into this. So the first segment I call this Infancy, Mystery, and History. Mm-hmm. going to be a lot of rhyming puns in this. History, history. Okay. So our journey into the historical evolution 
Father Christmas begins in the archives of history. Emerging from the pagan symbol and image for the arrival of spring, imagined as a figure with a long hooded green cloak. Around the 5th to 11th centuries, under Saxon rule in the medieval period, the image involved and embraced the characteristics of Father Time, coming from the ancient god, a Roman god of time, Saturn, symbolizing the cyclical nature of seasons and the passage of time. The Viking Age of Yuletide, the Norse and pagan celebration of the winter solstice, furthered this evolution with influences from the Norse god Odin, associated with wisdom and gift-giving roughly 8th to the 11th century. Jumping to the Norman invasion of England in 1066 now, also brought and blended the legend of St. Nicholas into the Father Christmas tradition. So from 1066 to 1644, during the Puritan ban on Christmas, the Mummer's Play, so-called, which is a traditional folks play performed during the Christmas season, helped preserve the idea of Father Christmas in this time by showcasing him and allowing the tradition and imagery associated with him to endure. This helped keep alive the spirit of Christmas and the figure of Father Christmas during a period when such celebrations faced restriction. Victorian times, spanning from the early 19th to the 20th century, saw the revival of Father Christmas merging with the St. Nicholas's traits through American influence in the 19th century, resulting in the jolly figure we recognize today. This fusion of pagan symbolism, Father Times, and Norse mythology laid the foundation for the creation of the modern-day Santa Claus, a timeless symbol of generosity and joy during the holiday season. Mm. Mm. So he wasn't oh, like that far. <laughs> yeah, I know. he wasn't like um, Father Christmas back then, was he? Like, what did he have? No, a, it was um... before he was Saint Nick or associated with Saint Nick. Did he have? Was there any kind of recorded no, name or anything like that? Not to my knowledge, because I think even it's interesting. I think there's even I can't remember exactly. I might have mentioned some of that. I know there is a difference between Father Christmas and Santa Claus. I think one is mm-hmm. more. I think Father Christmas is the British. Name for it, Santa Claus is the Americanized name of mm. it, mm-hmm. ah. my, uh, to my knowledge. But um, so was I'm going to go Coke, more though, right. Pardon? Wasn't it Coke that kind of designed the Father Christmas that we know of, the well, red and white my, big? We shall be touching upon that, my friend. As oh, we, as all right. So okay, this will bad. be for my our listeners, right? <laughs> Son of a bitch. But uh, you can listen to the podcast. Around the Christmas tree with the family on the wireless, because that's 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 what you do, right? Millions of people on all the around wireless. the world. Millions, year. millions of people Thousands every year. Clinging Even though this to is our every first word. ever Christmas episode, this is already a tradition. <laughs> and we're going to write a whole podcast about how we became Christmas tradition. Oh, oh we are Christmas. <laughs> we are the Red Jacks. Are with a Red Jack? <gasps> Red Jack. Red Jacket. Oh my God! It's all oh. coming together. <laughs> all of a sudden you just see like me like just take my beard like rip my face oh, I'm like, oh, 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 oh my oh. god <laughs> I knew it's, all a me, it's a santa a nintendo would shut that down you just see a gun pop up next to my head <laughs> oh, say no. it again bitch say it again oh no <laughs> right so now we move on to the real Santa Claus, Slayer or Masquerader? And obviously Slayer is a slave because you can't oh. see that. 
Yeah, I was going to say, not like Killer Slayer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would have been interesting. I wrote that down. I was like, this is so good. And I heard it and I was like, oh no, it's going to make him sound like some sort of like freaking like action hero. Yeah, action hero or something, like, some sort of wrestler. Yes. The Slayer. <laughs> Ow, it's the Slayer. I'm Get down. Santa. <laughs> Get to the reindeer. Can you imagine that if Santa had a body count? <laughs> going around delivering presents to kids and he's like I've killed 700 men <laughs> what do you think the sack is really it's why you stay nice it just gets it's like he's like my suit was white but the blood of my enemies died <laughs> like, whoa that's kind of twisted but a new bike thanks Santa <laughs> no problem <laughs> so Slayer or Masquerader so this is the real Santa Claus so our magical and festive journey continues with the real-life Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, noted as a compassionate yet shy 3rd-century monk born in Patara, Asian Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey, around 280 AD. Inherited wealth made him a rich bishop who, clad in red bishop's clothes and robes, quietly traversed the land, earning a reputation for kindness and helping the poor. One of the legends associated with him is that one day, wanting to save three impoverished sisters from the life of slavery, he gave the dowry needed to save them. The legend goes that he gave money first to the eldest daughter, but not wanting anyone to know, he dropped some gold coins down the chimney. These landed in a stocking hung up, by, hung up to dry by the fireplace and belonging to one of the daughters. He repeated the same generous act for the second daughter. Now, the father, curious about who was helping their family, waited up and discovered St. Nicholas doing the same for his third and youngest daughter. All the coins landed in stockings hung up to dry, becoming the origin of the Christmas stocking tradition. The mm. bishop, as in St. Nick, upon being discovered, asked the father not to tell anyone else, as he didn't want to draw attention to himself. But rumours got out and he became known for his gifts. Wow. The children and the poor. <laughs> we had like a secret webcam in the corner, like the teddy bear cam. <laughs> I got you. I got you on camera, bitch. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read a bit more about him, but that's this is kind of the guy. This is the introduction, mm. at least at least from this portion of the introduction. Uh, sorry, influence on him, especially more in the Western world. Did you guys do stockings? Mm-hmm. I don't think I. I think I might have done it once or twice, but not 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 uh, not religiously, if that makes sense. Not mm. continuously. Oh, really? What about you, Fraser? Did you? We didn't really do like proper stockings. We did like pillowcases. Really? Mm. Mm. More than a pillowcase and a stocking, surely. Well, I could well, crochet yeah. a stocking if anyone wants one. Mate, my Christmas stocking was fucking huge, man. I used to, like, yeah. it was massive. Like, I'm so glad could I you lost fit it. yourself in it? Yeah, as a kid, I definitely could have climbed Crazy. inside it. It was massive. Um, not Crazy. saying that I got huge presents. I wasn't privileged or anything, but I did have stockings. But like, every morning, that would be, like, every Christmas, we'd, uh, me and my sisters would, like, sneak into the same room and, like, look at the presents in our stockings. Mm. Not actually open them, <laughs> but just, like, look at them and stuff. Yeah, just, like, that was always a tradition right. for us, having did stockings. You do the... Um... As I'm sure as every kid did, why I call the touch test. Like you didn't open it, but you just like, is it soft? Touched everything. Is it yeah. hard? Yeah. I think like, I know what this is. This is a toy. I can feel the cardboard at the back. This is this, or this is a game's case. Oh, analysis. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I hated that shit. I think 
me and my sister kind of built a tradition because we went through that stage like mom dad please let us open a present and sometimes there might be something small to be like, yeah, go for it but nine out of ten they're like no wait for the day so me and my sister would always wait up till midnight and be like well it's 1201 it's the 25th pick a small gift and let's open it so we kind of became our small tradition you're just, yeah, you're just annoying kids <laughs> Man. Yeah, true I think every Christmas Eve, we used to have a small present that we'd get. And then we used to open one small present on Christmas Eve. And that would be like the little taster for Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And then we'd save the rest <laughs> for actual Christmas. But yeah, Christmas Eve was always like, you know, there's little small dairy milk trays of like fudge and curly whirlies, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. It was usually like a small wrapped present like that that we'd normally open for Christmas Eve. So when you're a kid, getting chocolates on Christmas was like, Top the, tier, the anyway. Yeah. So that's all we yeah. ever really want. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the tradition for us. That's sweet, man. That's cute. So, yeah, that's where that's kind of where the stocking thing comes from. Mm. So, the carrying on the legend of St. Nicholas only reached Britain after the Norman invasion in 1066, where it merged with the existing Father Christmas tradition. Over the years, Nicholas's popularity grew and he became the protector of, and this was a bit strange now to look into it, a protector of children and sailors. This is because Nicholas also is also said to have visited the Holy Land. The ship he was on was nearly destroyed by a terrible storm, but he rebuked the waves, causing the storm to subside. Thus, Nicholas became venerated as the patron saint of sailors and travellers. There was also a little extra bit of like his official uh, speculated home or yard in the Holy Land was like almost like down the road from Bethlehem where Jesus was, you know, sort of born. And there is like a chapel or something there, but I didn't add it in. I was trying to really bite size the information. His his feast day is celebrated on December 6th, marks the anniversary of his death and was considered lucky for significant events like purchases or marriages. So purchases and marriages. Yeah, like people would say, oh, December 6th is a lucky day, so we're going to, like, I don't know, buy a house on this day. We're going to get married on this day. It just was considered... Mm-hmm. Um, like a lucky day. Mm. Lucky yeah, day. like a fortunate... Okay. Which I, was ne- I never really associated it with December 6th. Like, no, I hadn't heard of that, mm. actually. Yeah, if, It sounds like this guy was just kind of going around living his life breaking but into was, houses <laughs> there was somebody <laughs> there was somebody like just making rumors and like leaking his information and stuff to make him into like this <laughs> deity type figure <laughs> well he, he became a saint and as christmas mm. is the core of it is to a certain extent at least not more than modern but you know the core of it is an element of spiritual and religious mm. impact and influence so if he was a saint it kind of transcended him to this more christmasy figure but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, maybe he was just caught stealing in someone's house. I'm like, are you putting a coin in my bag? And he was like, yes, <laughs> I'm putting it in. I'm not taking Happy it out. Here's, here's another one not happened. to mention this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I, I bet that is actually what it was, you know, something along those lines. He was actually trying to steal. But if he got caught, he'd pretend he was putting it in and be like, Shh, don't tell anyone. I'm like, actually doing something good. He could have just been stealing from everyone, <laughs> really. <laughs> that was his. That was his threat. It was like ho, 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 Lee Land. It was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. It, don't you think it is weird though that someone just decided to do this shit? Like, it is kind of weird, isn't it? 
was he okay? Was he alone? Was he lonely? Was he just <laughs> were they was actually okay? his legitimate kids and that's why he was putting the things down the the chimney? Maybe that they were his kids and he was actually just trying to look out there's so many questions. They yeah. were really his kids. They were actually his I think it's the power of word of mouth and mm. the way people will advertise it because we live in an era where we're so connected and things are so around, but we've got more of a like we're more skeptical of things and a bit more pragmatic. An objective, whereas back then you're hearing about this. As you keep repeating a story over and over again, you, you start to probably add variations and it exaggerates or changes and adapts to the people. So I can imagine mm. that the word of mouth of this alone becoming such a powerful imagery. Whereas if we hear something now, even this word of mouth, I'll go, let me Google it. And then you see it and you're like, yeah, okay. It, it loses the mystery Im- immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So All they had back the... then were stories, really. Sorry to cut you off, just no, added sorry. on to it. But yeah, I feel like back in like, I can't believe how far back this goes. I mean, it must basically go back as far as the Bible, like because it is, you know, pagan, and the idea of Christmas Day was already a, a festive holiday, right? So like, yes, so mad how far the, back it goes. The pagan festivity of the whole solstice is when the nights get shorter and the days get longer. It's the seasonal that's thing. The, yeah, it's a seasonal thing, and obviously celebration. Harvest, and it's the solstice celebration that got moved from. I think it's like the springtime when the days get a bit longer, and it got moved to December. So it's the same sort of celebration, but moved. Right. Just like how Easter is a pagan celebration mm-hmm. of fertility, and it, and it jumps. Yeah, and it jumps, and it became about rabbits because obviously you, you, you know, is it connected to rabbits? Is it connected to your? Is that something you touch on? Yeah, the Yuletide, yeah, which I'm going to mention as well as we go on. That's more Germanic Okay, as we right. move forward. So obviously these, you know, the modern day Christmas, and as, as I'm going to go into later, different cultures have different variations of perspectives, but the generalized consensus of Christmas now, the sort of the foundation of it, is an amalgamation of just loads of different things as it is. Different cultures doing different things, and someone just picked and cho- chose it, and it just became more and more commercial. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool. So to finish off St. Nick, by the 15th to 17th century, which is the Renaissance era, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe, maintaining a positive reputation even after the Protestant uh, Reformation. The Dutch celebration of Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas, depending on pronunciation, contributed to the evolution of Santa Claus we know today. St. Nicholas's legacy endures, shaping the modern image of Santa Claus as a symbol of generosity and goodwill, embodying the spirit of Christmas. Well, yeah, that's basically, that's him now, isn't it? That's basically it. We're up to date. Basically. That wasn't that long, mate. That was a good podcast. Well done, is coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did kind of start off as... Um, well, you're going to see every segment kind of adds an extra layer on. Because I was like, oh, this is the history done. And then I was like, oh, actually, I've not asked this question. And there was all this interesting info. And then I was like, what nice. about this area? And I was like, oh, this is interesting as well. Nice. <laughs> so the next one, the next segment is called Santa Claus, the Red, White and Yule. I don't like that one. <laughs> I do like that one. Fucking <laughs> 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 awful. That was genius. Okay, I had to think of all this up myself. So now the creation and origins are out of the way, we move on to why old Mr. Claus looks the way he does. We begin this story in the early 19th century with John Pintard. 
a New Yorker and antiquarian who played a pivotal role in selecting St. Nicholas as a symbol for Christmas celebration. So this is kind of the most modernization, most up-to-date of why St. Nick is such a direct influence of the man himself, of Santa Claus. So what's an antiquarian? I don't know. I had oh, okay, to put cool. in what, what he is or mm-hmm. who he is, but I actually didn't know. I, I, I know thought, this is professional. Because so an, an aquarium is like a, <laughs> a, a cage for fish. So I thought it was like anti-cages. <laughs> <laughs> antiquarian. I think I, antiquarian. it looks like, like antiques, right? Yeah, dealing with antiques or rare books. Yeah. The study of... I think by dealing with antiques or rare books come across the duty to design santa claus how the fuck does that happen where is all the info about this saint nick gonna be in books and very old books okay but but, but, did someone give him this task that you're i did not go in that depth okay you want an 18 page podcast ruin the podcast right you ruined the podcast The reason he had to look all this stuff up, he was doing a podcast and he had to get all this information ready. Uh, so he went for all these old uh, books and then he became Santa Claus himself. They were called scrollcasts <laughs> back then. The scrollcasts. The scrollcasts. So, yes. So, uh, you know, he was a pivotal Roman selection, St. Nick. Influenced by Dutch traditions, Pintard chose St. Nicholas, also known as Santa Claus, Sancte Claus. I don't know why it's kind of spot like that. Mm-hmm. Whose attire as a bishop was a tradition depicted in red, as mentioned above. Now, moving on to the publication of The History of New York by Washington Irvin, Irving, an American author, essayist, and historian, also significantly contributed to the shaping of the figure of Father Christmas. In his work, published in 1809 under the pseudonym of Dietrich Knickerbocker, and heard of it, don't know why. It's got Nick in there. It's got Nick in there. So Irving, this author, in this publication of the history of New York, satirized Dutch traditions, sort of kind of took the piss a little bit, portraying a jolly St. Nicholas who flew on a wagon delivering gifts. While not directly influencing the color and attire of Santa Claus, Irving's work contributed to the evolving image of Santa Claus in the early 19th century. Who knew his jokes and satires and almost caricature perspective of Dutch traditions would so directly influence the idea of Santa today? Mm. So he was taking the piss. Kind of. It was like, oh, <laughs> like this is like he drew him in a wagon, basically, and kind of like lended itself to the sleigh now. And it was like, this is what the Dutch believe. I, I don't know how much positive or negative vibe there was to it, but it just says he had a satire of it. So I, I don't think it was meant too like racistly or something but yeah he was basically taking the piss a little bit yeah yeah i mean that's fair you, you go traveling you see something funny like i mean to be fair like when we went to amsterdam and we saw the parade going through the street we had many questions <laughs> yeah. uh we took the piss out of it a that bit was strange you know, we got we yeah, got pelted with bizarre. candy yeah that was strange. like a shotgun of cookies my <laughs> boom so we look Fraser, an hour to cross the road i could see the piercing store i just wanted to get an earring Nope, I had to wait for this freaking parade to walk past with Fraser. We had ice cream mm-hmm. and waited for an hour. This guy very weird to, face. yeah, look out your window and just see a load of people in the street with blackface. It was very <laughs> unsettling. Yeah. 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 What was his name? Stinky yeah. Pete. Would... Stinky Pete. Oh, God Something damn. Pete. 
Oh, I would good. still yeah, much rather go to Was it Stinky Pete? <laughs> it might be Black No, Stinky Pete. Pete's Disney, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Stinky Pete's something. Well, I think it was Black Pete, wasn't it? I think Black so. Pete. I think Black it was Pete. just Black Pete. But God damn. I will also touch upon that as we move oh, on. Oh, you're going to touch on Black Pete? I'm going to touch on Black Pete. I'm going to touch him. Uh, I'm going to touch upon him. Oh, okay. I'm going to wipe the Black Pete. I'm like, get off, motherfucker. <laughs> so. Of course, as mentioned above, the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas in 1823, or mostly more better known as The Night Before Christmas by Clement Clark Moore, played a crucial role in shaping the modern image of Santa Claus with the introduction and ideas of reindeer and sleigh, as well as his, his physical description, with the poem providing a vivid description with phrases like, he was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, his eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. Carrying a sack of toys, contributing to the jolly, cheerful portrayal, emphasizing the generosity and gift-giving nature of Santa Claus. Furthermore, the poem gave, gave definition to his chimney descent, as the poem describes Santa's, entrances, Santa's entrance into homes. More like breaking and entering, but there we go. And the less associated in modern times, as we heard in the poem above, his smoking pipe with the inclusion of details such as the stump of a pipe he held in his teeth and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. The cumulative effect of these poetic descriptions contributed to the popularizing and solidifying the visual and narrative elements we now commonly associate with the modern figure of Santa Claus. Okay. I kind of have okay. some, like, probably some old-school memories of imagery of Santa standing there, almost like the Coca-Cola ad with the bottle, but he's got the... The smoking pipe. Mm. And wearing really, all fur. And wearing oh. sort of the fur. But he mm. kind of, you don't really associate it now to modernism mm. in the modern times because of the whole smoking culture and perspective. Yeah. But I still have also an image the, of that smoke around him. Also the fur, because that implies that either he's like a hunter or like he condones that kind of stuff. Yeah, he fur. condones wearing dead animals. Mm. Mm. Huh. I think now it's become... I mean, it, the fur is still kind of present, but it's not really looked at fur as much. Right? You'd call it that, but it's like it's the red coat fur, with the fur. Yeah, uh, no, it's more like fluff. fluff. Like, more yeah. the, tri the trimmings around his collars and around his sleeves. But mm. realistically speaking, polar bear. You, you would only describe. Yeah, you would only describe oh. it as fat. Like, that's a polar bear. <laughs> it's just that. It's just that really like um, the, the the Santa Claus with a body count. He's just there with his elves in the North Pole. Like, Oh, like killing the fucking pot. Who wants a fucking? Who you watch Vikings, fucking, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, um, when uh, Bjorn goes Bjorn, out, yeah. and he fights that bear, <laughs> he just does that like after every on Boxing Day. Like that is actually the <laughs> that's actually the, the origin of Santa. That's how he came around. <laughs> Bjorn Ironside. He's he never died. <laughs> You're damn right, man. The imagery of him. <laughs> so moving on to the 1870s the american cartoonist thomas nast played a crucial role in shaping the modern image of santa claus in his 33 illustrations between 1863 and 1886 for harper's weekly magazine nast depicted santa in a in various colors including green and brown and introducing the modern red suit and cap so it wasn't just about the red robes now. Now he's kind of defining it with the suit and the cap. Now it's kind of, you know, the the sort of the trimmings and all the, you know, the attire shaping itself. 
Um, also the white fur lining, which we mentioned, and the black buckled belt. So that's what it's going to give in shape more to the robes. Furthermore, St. Nicholas's migration to the North Pole is due mostly direct, is most directly to Thomas Nast, whose drawings featured a village called Santa Clausville NP. NP standing for North Pole. Mm -hmm. oh. And that was in the oh. 1870s. Nice. Lastly, in, his, in terms of look now, and as Rick mentioned, we move on to the Coca-Cola campaign. In the 1930s, Coca-Cola commissioned artist Haddon Sund Sundblom to create festive images for their holiday campaigns. Sundblom's idealized plump and jolly Santa, often depicted with a coat in hand, became immensely popular even as we know it today. Oh, I, I actually put in brackets, FYI, I've actually seen one of the Coca-Cola advert lorries in real life. Just want to put that out there. So, yeah, so have I. Don't take this away from me. <laughs> Why would you call do it? this? Sirhan's highlight for the last 20 yeah, years. Sorry. I saw a Coca-Cola van. I think I've seen it a few times. I've only seen it once. I saw it outside uh, London 02. Yeah, they go to like popular places. They like get loads I, of, they give out I loads of cans no of Coke for idea. free. That's sick. Yeah. No, right. Like little ones, little cans. It's cool. So contrary to popular belief, however, Rikesh, it was not Coca-Cola who initially established the red rope imagery of Santa Claus, although there and Sunblom's influence and solidification of the red and white imagery cannot be denied. Uh -huh. Interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't Coke. I thought that oh, was a I fact. I, I assume I always heard it was Coke that designed the look of Santa Claus with the beard and the red and white and everything and oh. that just helped. I had no idea. But I, there you I, go. Thought, I thought Coca-Cola had directly uh, done it as well. I thought it was because of them, but it's not. I think they've just especially for visual media just you know established and, and solidified that imagery more. <laughs> right. So our next segment I've called it Elves, Bells, and Reindeers. Ah, not as good as the last one. Nah, slacking. Charlie, you didn't even like it the last one. Oh, you're and I about hated it. this one even more. <laughs> Gosh, no Christmas spirit in this You are ruining this year. There's no Christmas spirit from the moment I said Christmas. Come on. <laughs> I hate you, old. It's a Scrooge with rabies. No, Charlie, you could look a bit scrutish, you know. You just matted the hair a little bit, put a little cap, a little, you know, a little walking stick in your hand. I can see you. I can see you doing that with kids. Phrasing, uh, <laughs> poor choice of words. Phrasing again. Jesus Christ. No, no. Scrooge is always shown outside the window where the kids are like, "Hey, sir," like you know, uh, Christmas spirit, and he's like, "Ah, humbug," and then he kicks them. You know, that's the Scrooge I remember. Mm. No, we watch yeah. different Christmas carols. I think. Uh, <laughs> Dive kick from the, the window. Sort of here. So, elves, bells, and reindeer. So now, with the look, feel, and now location of Santa slowly being established, we now move on to his so-called little helpers, otherwise known as Santa's elves, venturing into the rich tapestry of global folklore elves have woven themselves into mythologies for over a millennium and in a variety of ways 
In ancient Norse traditions, these uh, these magical beings were known as Alfar or Haldafolk. Haldafolk. Now, I just want to add something in here. There's a lot of words that aren't English or Turkish, and I do not know how to pronounce them. I made the executive decision to not look at any real pronunciation of any of these words, so I am equally wrong on all of them, and I'm putting it out. <laughs> that seems like right? the complete that's opposite fair. thing of what fair. you should have done. Uh... It is the opposite, but I was like, if I do one, it's not fair if I don't do all. And I'm Equal talking about discrimination. So- yeah, yeah nice. thank, you. thank you. You definitely picked the easier option there. I am self-parking <laughs> this this podcast episode. So, yeah, beings known as Alfar or Haldufo, denoting or meaning hidden folk. A catch-all term encompassing supernatural entities inhabiting the wilds. Elves evolved alongside fairies, gnomes, dwarves, and other mystical creatures. Taping, taking a leap to the old English epic Beowulf, which is 700 to 1000 AD, about, a line from the epic story reads, Of Cain awoke all that woeful breed, etchings and elves and evil spirits, as well as the giants that warred with God. Elves at times, alternated between benevolent and mischievous, with tales attributing pranks and mischief to them. Fast forward to William Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream in the 1590s portrays elves as less malevolent and more mischievous. Puck, a character in the play, embodies the trickster elf himself. Mm. I think I think I would it's safe to say that we not not say we're exactly historic, but I think we all had a feeling of elves of that sense. Like when you think of old folklore, elves are a bit more like ghastly and dark. Yeah, a bit more freaky, whereas now they've got that light uh, light hearted mis- mischief. Oh yeah, them. no, yeah. I it guess depends so. on the mythology. Like some in certain certain mythology, elves are depicted as like evil bastards uh, that just want to corrupt things, and most <laughs> other places they're just little mischievous things like we was know that a quote be. from something the way you said that yeah they were known as you know evil bastards i'm like wow you're saying that was such yeah, a yeah, that, that's uh that, that's me you can quote me, <laughs> yeah. you can quote me. almost Rick like uh, december 2023 almost like goblins yeah. right like yeah yes mm-hmm. and a sort of like that yeah I, yeah i think you're right goblins are in the same space where sometimes they've got that they're evil creatures and sometimes they're kind of I don't know, like D and D style, they're like they're just normal people. Like they're mm. talkable, they they've got personalities, and sometimes they're just it's, it's very yeah. left or right. And I think elves have had that same sort of journey. But yeah. I think now them being associated to Santa Claus and positivity and joy has definitely been in their favour. Mm. I mean, I remember. Thank <laughs> elves. Do you guys remember the story as kids, the elf and the shoemaker? Yeah. Yeah. Familiar. When the shoemaker would go to bed, he was quite poor, and the elves would come out and fix and make all his shoes for him and oh, yeah. yes. do all the stuff. Yes. And, then, and then one day he found them and they helped each other out somehow. Like, even that is like a positive twist on this folk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Propaganda. Mm. Propaganda. <laughs> we helped his shoes, but we stabbed them as well. <laughs> but uh, yes, so the elves were first introduced in literature uh, in 1856 with the image of Santa by this point being much older and more established. Emerging in US folklore in early 17th century, elves and their association to Christmas 
resides in the first half of the 19th century with the Scandinavian Nisse or Tomte, with St. Nicholas himself being called an elf, as Fraser very, very, uh, you know, acutely sort of observed in the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas. I never, I always forgot the association, especially if you read the full version of the poem. It does even describe like the elfish look with the pointed ears as well. All right. Hmm. Really interesting. But when you think about something like Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, when you think of elves, they're not little people. They're they're like human size and even more, but they've just got the pointed ears and obviously their magical abilities. Just chuck some pointed ears on something and call it an elf. Kind of thing. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. And obviously they live a lot longer than humans. They're mystical. And mm. it would make, it would kind of, in a weird way, make sense that he's like the king of the elves as an elf himself than just this human, sort of like Oompa Loompa Charlie Chocolate, like Willy Wonka style. Like I'm kind of ruling you a little bit. Mm. So the shift to elven Christmas traditions occurred in the mid 19th century with the renowned Scandinavian writer Abraham Victor Rydberg reshaping the perception of elves through his stories such as The Christmas Tomten, released in 17, 1871, which is summarised as One cold, dark Christmas Eve, while waiting alone at home for the kindly old woman who had taken him in and cared for him, the little orphan boy Vic was whisked away by the Christmas elf and taken with him on his rounds of distributing goods and gifts among the people rich and poor who lived nearby. On the trip, he learned valuable lessons about humility and gratitude. While these beings once held reputations for pranks and mischief, they transformed into unequivocally good, albeit mischievous, helpers of Santa Claus. Okay, mischievous is a much better image. Well, uh, yeah, especially for Santa. I think if they were kept as straight-up dick, I mean, let alone they wouldn't have been associated with Santa. I think a lot of the kids would have probably tried to emulate them. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm an elf. Here's a shoe. Stab. You know, no one wants that. <laughs> Stab. <laughs> they look like stabby people. Right? Don't they know what they've got? Like, they've got a little shiv. Not even a knife. They've got a little shiv. And they're like, oh, fucking, ah, ah. You sharpen their toothbrush real quick. Eh, eh, eh. That's it. Merry Christmas. That's why they got pointed ears as well. Maybe they were maybe they were dicks, and then Saint Nick just took them on like on community service, serving time. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what, maybe that's what it is. After all this time, it's just been community service. That's why they wear the uniforms. <laughs> They're just like one day when I get out of here, stab motherfucker, stab. <laughs> While these beings once held reputations for pranks and mischief, they were slowly being transformed into beings of positivity and fun. Now, as for names and representations in other cultures, they are in Germany. Santa's helpers are called Necht Ruprecht. Pricks. No research. Yeah. No research. No research into any of this. <laughs> Iceland boasts, and I love this one. Iceland boasts the Yule Lads, a group lads. of thirteen elves. I love this though. A group of thirteen elves with, and I imagine this is purposeful, unpronounceable names. Yeah, yeah, Katsuki. Katsuki. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I just love the fact that they're the Yule lads. They all sound like they've got like matching like tattoos or something with the Yule lads. Yeah. <laughs> what? what are you fucking doing? Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> the Dutch referred to Santa's helpers as Warte Piet, and Nordic countries like Finland and Sweden 
term Santa's helpers as Nisse. Again, no, no research. <laughs> now, I don't know why it, 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 it I don't know why it, it gives this information like this, but I've done so much research into the names. It doesn't seem like the names were established quite long ago mm -hmm. because it, the only way it explained this to me was according to modern internet law. So it seems like since uh. the birth of the internet, they've been given like, like more so mainstream names. And I would imagine they've used them in like the Santa Claus movies and whatnot, but it's not been something in the law. So um, in the, in the modern, more modern internet law, Santa's elite team mentioned six L's and they are as named. Alabaster Snowball, the administrator of Santa's infamous naughty and nice list. So now, it, now we're his looking name is his Alabaster sort of, Snowball. Yeah, they're really they're really cheesy. Is that two names or one? Oh, that's 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 just that's one name. Oh, Alabaster geez. Snowball. That's his first and second name. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're looking at the hierarchy of the sort of the the business acumen and style of uh, you know the, the ladder, the corporate side of Santa's. <laughs> Santa's work pyramid. As a hierarchy. That's fucking the pyramid. Crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So this is naughty and nice guy number one. Number two is that's Bushy mad. Evergreen. So Bushy Evergreen is the ingenious inventor behind the magic toy-making machine, ensuring that every child receives delightful presents from the North Pole. He made the toy-making machine, so they don't make the toys. He has and a that's machine. What, that's what I was going to say. I think yeah. now, obviously, they've PG'd a little bit of something, because I think the whole element of, are they his slaves, or are they this? Sort of like how in... The Johnny Depp version of Willy Wonka, they were like, oh no, he went to a jungle and he saved them. Like, uh, they, people, they have, they feel like they have to show this mm. extra component. I think I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. It but would make sense, to be honest, if they yeah. try and censor it in some kind of way, give it some kind of humane yeah. well, explanation behind it nowadays. Boys, they didn't mention a packing machine. So these guys are still packing shit. Hmm. They might not be yeah. making them, but now Just they're still working on the. the I mean, the if they can make line. a toy making machine, I think they can make a wrapping machine. <laughs> yeah, but what are they going to do? They're going to be jobless and homeless. And then we're going to get Christmas ads every year. Donate three pounds a month for this elf. <laughs> there's six and of them. They're execs now. That's fine. <laughs> there are. Number three is Pepper Mint Sticks. I like that one. Pepper Mint Sticks. Nice. The Guardian. Of Santa's secret village, embodying the role of head of elf security. Uh, this guy's the well, bouncer yes, to the North nice. Pole. Come on, Pepper, let's go. He's just he's just got he's just got the Yule lads behind him. Are you right? <laughs> let, me, let me let me pat you down. Turn around. What? what? Where's oh, your idea? Slowly, slowly, slowly. Right, that's what I fucking said. Number four is Shinny Up a Tree. What? <laughs> I like that one as well. First name Shinny, second name Upper Tree. Santa's Shinny. oldest friend and co-founder of the Secret Village, lending a touch of history and companionship to the festive abode. So this guy apparently I mean, helped him. He was like three names down. I, no, this isn't Best the hierarchy. Friend, this, right? This is just oh. this, this. Yeah, this is don't. I'm. Um, this is a. Not the order of their importance. Oh, I thought you were showing the hierarchy. Yeah, I was getting no, excited. No, they, I thought you didn't was like, really give me. <laughs> like, we're old friends, so here's a shit job. He's like the co <laughs> co-founder. You can just he's be like moral support for yeah, everyone. If you else, want to put fine. it in a hierarchy, he's not doing much more than how about this? Like, yeah, that's that's not. He just put the flag on the ground. North Pole, and that's it. That's all he did. 
thousand years later. I found this shit out. We know. We fucking know. <laughs> fucking shitty. <laughs> Number five is Sugar Plum Mary. I don't know why it says AKA Mary Christmas. And she is in charge of all the sweet and treat production, assisting Mrs. Claus in the kitchen. I was going to say, that one does sound kind of familiar. I don't know why that name sounded familiar. And then you said she makes the sweets. And I was like, oh, that probably rings. That's why you it rings would, a bell. You would know that. Egg, you would exactly. Know exactly. <laughs> sweets? Oh, my God. Let's go. And so is that Mary is in the name Mary or, or like Merry Christmas? No, 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 like M A R Y. Right. Just standard okay. Mary. So obviously they're all play on words. They're not mm-hmm. gonna if they're gonna be like Mary, then no, that's not a play on words. That's, you're just saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> and uh, the last one mentioned on Incident Law number six is Wanna Woo Norse Open Slate. What? W U N O R S E and then Open Slate. Wunos open sleigh. So it's meant to be like one horse open sleigh, right? One horse open sleigh. Yeah, I think Uh, that's the And open sleigh is the steward of Santa's sleigh, as you would imagine, responsible for its maintenance and the well-being of the reindeer. Stable boy, Uh, gotcha. Stable boy. boy. (laughs) So we've come to this point, boys. Um, I break... (laughs) <laughs> um, no, just keep going. Break. <laughs> no, I was trying to create a soundbite. Yeah, no, no. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I was no just trying to catch on. I hate ads. <laughs> you hate ads. So, boys, uh, ad break. Ad break. Ad break. Christmas ad break. Ad break. Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming. Oh no. Wow, Timmy, it's nearly Christmas. Are you excited? <laughs> sure am. It's been a bit of a stressful year. Do you think Santa's going to bring me a lot of presents? Good question, Timmy. I'm not actually sure. Good thing I signed you up for the Naughty or Nice Auto Assessment. Eh? Naughty or Nice? What's there? Oh, well, Timmy. At the push of a button, it looks over your actions for the past year and determines whether you've been naughty or nice. If you've been really good, you'll receive a bunch of presents from Santa. Yay! But if you've been bad to me, you might get a visit from Krampus instead, who will have a range of punishments for you. Oh, uh, maybe I'll just leave, leave it up to Santa. Da, da, you know, Too late, Timmy! Your assessment has already come back. Uh, uh, okay. Let's see. Shared your hyperhank action figure with your friends at school. That's five nice points, Timmy. Yay! That's great! Arthur! Oh. Cross the street without looking both ways. That's 20 naughty points, Timmy. But that, that doesn't seem very nice. Time slipped into the past and caused a butterfly effect that meant the dinosaurs never went extinct. That's 500 naughty points, Timmy! What? That wasn't even me! That was a variant! A variant! Well, Timmy, I'll be honest. This isn't looking good. Looks like Krampus is due to visit you, beat you with a switch, set a Yule cat on you, and then drag you to hell! 
That doesn't make any sense. Why would you send me up for this? What kind of father are you? That's enough, Timmy. You just got yourself banned from all future adverts. Now go to your room until Christmas Eve. <laughs> Streamline your gift buying by signing your kid up to the Naughty or Nice Auto Assessment today. If your kid's anything like mine, you won't regret it. In the last part, we explored the origin of the man himself, Santa Claus, leading us to his little elven help. And now, with part two, we segue onto the rest of his posse, Santa's ride from far and near. I introduce to you his holy reindeer. Oh, yeah. Lamborghini, oh, Porsche, hey. uh, Maserati. No, 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 no. That will be the internet law. That will be like 2025. <laughs> yeah, man. On, on Lambo. I love on Audi. Audi. I love my Audi. I mean, the, the Gen Z's version of the, the, the reindeer. Yeah, man. It's, 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 a, it's, it's 50 horsepower. It's one reindeer. Yeah, but it's 50 horsepower. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so, with the reindeer, we're going to take this at the segments that it comes. So, we start with a single reindeer as it was introduced. The first reference to Santa's sleigh being pulled by a reindeer it appears in Old Santa Claus with Much Delight, an 1821 illustrated children's poem published in New York, with the author and illustrator unknown. The poem, with eight coloured lithographic illustrations, which was a printing style technique at the time, was published in William B. Gilly as a small paperback book entitled The Children's Friend, A New Year's Present to the Little Ones from 5 to 12. The illustration to the first verse features a sleigh with a sign saying rewards, so not presents or gifts, just rewards, <laughs> being pulled by an unnamed <laughs> single reindeer. Find this man. Yeah. Bushy beard, red hair. <laughs> But I guess it would make more sense to call it rewards because the whole element is the naughty and nice is you're being rewarded for being good rather That's than true. it's a gift for yeah. just yeah. being an asshole. So jumping from 1821 to 1823 now, we jump to eight reindeer, which is obviously, as I've mentioned many times above, the poem by Clement Seymour, A Visit from St. Uh, Nicholas. This is largely credited for the modern Christmas law that includes eight named reindeer. All eight reindeer were named. The first six being Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, and Cupid. And the final originally were named Dunder and Blixen, meaning thunder and lightning in colloquial New York Dutch. Mm. As you notice, the last two names are not so familiar anymore as Moore altered the names of the last two reindeer several times. In an early 1860s version of the poem, written as a gift to a friend, are named Donda and Blitzen. Donda is standard Dutch for thunder, while Blitzen is derived from the standard Dutch Blixen, meaning lightning again, influenced by German Blitz. And it also helps that it rhymes with Vixen. The modern German spelling of Donna came into use only in the early 20th century, well after Moore's death. That's Donner. It, it literally is spelled <laughs> like that, yeah. 
So he was. So yeah, the last two names obviously changed quite a lot. And like I said, the guy didn't write the poem for a professional sense. It was for his children, and obviously he's writing it to like friends and family. So he's changing it up and around, and especially for the last mm-hmm. two. That's where the hook for the rhyme and the flow of the poem is. And like you said, it's going to go from standard Dutch to like a New York colloquial amalgamation Dutch combined. And obviously they're sort of slang incorporated. And then it got turned into the German direct spelling of it. Uh, so did he, he had the idea of the sleigh being pulled by reindeer or he just named it a reindeer? No. So the, um, in 1821, the first segment I just read of a mm. single reindeer, that's the first time oh, any time it's ever illustrated of a, re- a reindeer pulling. And then by his poem, two years later, he put it down as eight reindeer. Uh, but the idea of reindeer pulling was already. But he he only did he only did that for like his family, and it got he done out. it originally for his children. Mm. Nice. And it was his friend that I might have received it or heard his poem, it. and he well not even leaked yeah, it. He yeah, kind of it to the press. <laughs> yeah, but on, oh, but on his it. behalf, made millions. <laughs> Sold it to Coca Cola. There's a Julian Assange put it on yes, WikiLeaks. Back so. in 1823, this guy, his anonymous <laughs> friend, was like, yo, yo. He's a time traveler. Reindeer. <laughs> but the last part of this is L. Frank Baums or Baum's 10 reindeer. L. Frank Baum's story, the many. life in a. Not believable. I thought, you, I thought you meant his name. I thought you meant like L. Frank Baum. Like, no, that's too many. That's too many names. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. Um, so I'm just gonna say Frank's story, the life and adventures of Santa Claus in 1902, includes a list of ten reindeer, none of which match Moore's uh, reindeer above. I'm gonna read you some of these names. They're all different. They they make sense, but I don't. It doesn't connect it. it. It just feels wrong, and you're gonna you're gonna share this feeling. So, in this story, Santa's principal reindeer are Flossy and Glossy, and he gathers others named Racer and Pacer, Reckless okay. and Speckless, Fearless no, and Peerless, and Ready and Steady. Uh, fuck is Speckless. Ready and fuck is Steady. Speckless what is like when you're, when you're lazy. Clean, right? When you're what yeah, clean. Well, Clean, like oh, this is this this. I don't know. This room is speckless. There's oh. a little speck inside. I don't like it. They're not bad. They're a good rhyme, and they're obviously you know more. You, you know, know when you get those like knockoff toys, language, those knockoff <laughs> yes, packs of toys, yes, and it's got like exactly green next to Batman, and these <laughs> yeah, are like Wish toys. reindeer, reindeer yeah. you receive from Wish. <laughs> no, this is more like the Stephen He like channel that I watch. You know the emotional damage guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he always does those those skits where he's like talking about the real stuff, and it's like X Men is X Man or something, and he was like Sprite is Sprint or something. Like all these really weird knockoffs that exist. This is what this feels like. Crazy, you put it in one. This is like my parents Bootleg. buying me toy in I don't know in, from somewhere that they shouldn't have or something like from a pound store, and it's like look, it's yeah. Batman. I'm like no. <laughs> He's green and he's got horns and wings. He's got a yeah. tail. Got a tail? Does the Batman have a tail? No. So, now with all of this said and done, there's obviously still one more reindeer to mention. Probably the most infamous of all is reindeer. Guiding Santa's sleigh through the night, helping him make the Christmas year 
with his nose burning ever so bright. We love and know him as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Never heard of him. I actually <laughs> forgot about him writing about this. It was one of those moments again. I was like, oh, Reindeer, yeah, the Vixen, Dixon, Blixen, all that jazz. And I was like, my reading and research was like, oh, Nixon. Rudolph. Rudolph. So like, a, a, <laughs> another Nixon. segment had to come up. <laughs> so this is actually quite an interesting one, I must admit. So the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer began in 1939 with a Jewish Chicago copywriter named Robert May. May worked in the ad department of Mont- Montgomery Ward, a department store chain second only to Sears as America's largest retailer. Every year, they purchased and gave away free Christmas coloring books, but they decided that they decided that that particular year to create their own. They gave the task of writing it and creating it to May with the instructions, make it about an animal. However, Robert May's story, unfortunately, will take a tragic turn. The same year, May's wife contracted cancer, and when she died a few months later, he was left to raise their younger daughter, Barbara, alone. His employer suggested he quit work on the book and turn in whatever he had done so far, but May refused, writing, years later, I needed Rudolph now more than ever. Remembering his daughter's love for the deer at the Lincoln Park Zoo, May invented for the subject of his book a little... Sorry, Lincoln Lincoln Park... Oh. <laughs> I love how that's what you take from me. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I knew I actually never picked up on that. Lincoln. Lincoln Park Zoo. Lincoln Zoo, right? There you go, Rune. So um <laughs> remembering his daughter's love for deer. May invented for the subject of his book a little reindeer with a shiny nose. He thought this creature might become a symbol for himself and Barbara that happier times lay ahead, hence leading the way. He was right. When Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came out at Christmas 1939, it was an instant hit. Montgomery Ward gave out 2.4 million copies and only stopped issuing it afterwards because of wartime restrictions on paper. When they resumed, however, in 1946, it was even more popular. For all his efforts, Robert May never received anything more than his salary. But that changed in 1947. And this is quite a nice thing to hear because you don't hear about these sort of creators Mm. getting the recognition they deserve. I don't know how to pronounce this man's name. Sewell? Sewell? S-E-W-E-L-L. Yeah, Sewell. yeah, Sewell. Sewell Avery, the head of Montgomery Ward in 1947, perhaps moved by the spirit of the holiday, gave all the rights to Rudolph the Reindeer to the act to the copywriter May himself. It was the first time the company had ever done so. Now, this is the creation of this of this figure. And obviously it comes with a mixed with a lot of heartache and loss. Before I just touch on the last little segment of this, what do you guys think so far of, well, Rudolph the Reindeer's origin? Sad but cute. You know, bittersweet, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It sounds yeah, like what would like follow as, you know how lots of Christmas songs kind of come out and try to hit like that number one or try to reach that kind of... Inf- like, Christmas hit, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But like 
this was done sort of like genuinely and it created like a new sort of Christmas character as well. Like it's iconic in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, even today, like try and find someone who doesn't know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Like you can try and name all the reindeer. You probably get might name a few, but I guarantee you everyone is gonna know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps that the song is super catchy as well. Yeah. I mean I don't know well, when the song came out in correlation. I am glad you've mentioned the song, because that's where we end this particular segment of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. So taking the legend of Rudolph to the next level, this was all followed by songwriter Johnny Marks creating the classic song we love and know today, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I'll stop there before we get copyrighted. (laughs) (laughs) This came came to head with Marks being a Rudolph fan and jotting down lyrics for many, many years. And finally adding the musical score after, which is kind of a nice story. So he was heard of Rudolph, writing lyrics, you know, he's a music creator, he's starting to create a musical score now, and he's done all of this after his marriage to, would you have guessed it, the original creator's sister, Margaret May. So he married the, uh, the you know, Rudolph the Rendy's crea- uh, May, Robert May's sister. Mm. With apprehension, however, from the record label, Marx ended up releasing it as a side B song surprisingly well kind of unsurprising now the b-side became the second best-selling christmas song ever trailing only white christmas in january 12 1949 lastly with this song in 1964 johnny marks's song inspired the iconic and i think we've all known it or at least watched it at least once the iconic stop motion rudolph film remaining the longest running christmas tv special Mm-hmm. airing every year it, this this film though has aired every year since its creation in 1964 still today um, still to this day every that's Christmas. awesome that's so that's what community based their Christmas episode on right yes that style and that's the DVD yeah, that, that uh, mm-hmm. Abed had wasn't it uh, I don't wasn't know that... the one that he was watching with his mum yeah I think that was it it's a bit of a twisted cartoon, probably more relevant to its time, where like Santa's like really bagging on Rudolph, like you're different, you're wrong. Why is your nose bright? And, then, and it's only when he's kind of useful at the end, he's like, oh, you're you're a good it's guy. The other, the other reindeers as well, aren't they? They kind of like yeah, shun like, they him. kind of bully him. But, yeah, mm. they shun yeah. him. Sort of the whole, is yeah. it like the, the ugly duckling story vibe? Mm. But um, I don't. It might be the moral. I haven't watched it since I was a little boy, but I forgot about the film. But yeah, that is the creation the very well-known song which obviously inspired the movie easy nice does uh rudolph ever make you guys think of that family guy sketch <laughs> it's like one it's rudolph in the hospital and the doctor's like no it's a tumor is it, is it, yeah. <laughs> is it filled with glee no it's filled with cancer <laughs> it's so brutal <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. i feel like it's been well, a few more i feel like i remember rudolph with a shotgun i don't know why or how I don't know. Nice. There's too Probably. much in my head right now. I, uh, my mind went to like a, a deer, I think, smoking or something. But I think that's a different skit. <laughs> oh, I, I always just remember, there's a bear in my cereal. And it's just the... <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It's porridge. It's, it's different. Hey, honey, how's your porridge? Oh, it's it's kind of nice. There's a bit of, oh my God, there's a bear in my cereal. It's just the... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Okie dokie. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have gone through the history, the backlog, the looks, the influences, even the satire of Santa and his imagery and all things associated to him. And all that's left is to touch upon now is amidst festive times where joy and warmth transfigures blend Christmas cultures shaping heartwarming traditions. This is exploring unconventional Christmas traditions across the globe. No, right, yeah, I'd be interested okay, to hear okay. how different, I, I guess it's not a different culture, right? It's just like different traditions. Yeah, interpretations. Yeah. Versions. Well, yeah, so I guess the most the most accurate thing to say, this should go without saying, but I'm going to say anyways, these are different traditions from what we know in the UK. Because in their own countries, oh, okay. this is their tradition, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of goes without saying it, but yes. So very interested. Very but interested. But these are also unconventional, though. This is not necessarily like, oh, a whole country does this. It might be like a specific place that does this within the country, for example. Mm. Yeah, no, that's cool. So I start off with number one. I call this one Bad Santa. <laughs> this is from Austria. You've heard of the naughty and nice list. But have you heard of the naughty and nice Santas? No. Well, in Austria, streets come alive with the presence of Santa Claus and his accomplice, Krampus. Oh, oh Krampus. yeah. Krampus, the, yeah. The sinister partner of St. Nicholas. He terrifies badly behaved children with ghostly pranks during December. Sounds like Ooh. a heartless head of nobody. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> does. <laughs> Really Where did does. you say this one originated from? Sorry, Austria. I, so Austria. this is not this is not the this is not Krampus necessarily being originated from Austria. This is just a modern day tradition that they have that Krampus is on their streets as well. Right, because <laughs> I thought it was Terry Pratchett who created the Krampus, wasn't it? So yeah, this is not this is not about the 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 people. This is about the continued tradition currently. Right. So, okay. yeah, yeah, I don't know who created Krampus, but the, it's just that he's on their streets. Yeah. So, you know, right. you, you know, you... Cool. he ran away to Austria. Seeking he he looked, he looked for Arnie. He was like, Arnie will protect me. <laughs> You've been a good boy. <laughs> so, we the next one is called a cobweb Christmas. So just, I, was, I was just looking up, and one of the one of the things that people ask is, what does Krampus do to children? <laughs> Krampus beats, beats those who are naughty with branches and sticks. <laughs> In some cases, he is said to eat them. Or, or take oh, that's them a step. Hell. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm sorry. Hitting them with sticks and branches. Oh, it's I one laugh. thing. And it went to murder and, fu- and cannibalism and cannibalism. hell. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Don't fuck man. around in Austria, Jesus. This one, no one grew up right back in the old days, man. They were they were terrified that Krampus was either going to hit them with a stick or eat them and send them to hell. <laughs> You're going to hold my hand, Timmy? No, mom, no. Timmy, hold my hand. No, Timmy. Take this, Timmy. Boy. <laughs> Krampus is going to get you. 
just as a kid, just being like, just a mother's like, you've been bad to me. The kid just walks past the tree. Ah, oh, it's a branch. No, please. I'm sorry. Oh. Forever PTSD any time of tree or branches on the road. Oh, no. Christmas is traditionally a freaking tree in the middle. You're like, just sitting there like, oh, Jesus. So the next tradition we move on to is called, or as I've called it, a cobweb Christmas. We know of tinsels, mistletoe, mistletoe, and stars atop the tree. But did you know Ukrainians opt for decorations mimicking spiders' webs, which for them symbolizes good fortune? Legend has it that spiders help a poor widow decorate her tree, li- leading to this unique tradition. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's just... uh. I knew, I knew, you, I knew Rick Edge would like this one. I like uh, it. Yeah. I like Anyone it. who sees a yeah, spider we thinks, ah, oh, it's Christmas. One. They're wrong. <laughs> wrong in the head. But it's kind Sorry. of the opposite. Is We kind of do that, but in the opposite end of the spectrum of like Halloween, where you kind of get like the fake cobwebs and you hang it off like a bush or something. Because this they're scary. Just... And Halloween's yeah, about that's scary. Halloween. I know, I know, Christmas. I know. I'm just... The idea of, oh, look, a little family of spiders are on our tree. Yay. Oh, my God. Well, they helped the old woman, okay, Charlie? She was old and alone and widowed and poor and cold. Widowed, All the decorations she could have. Black widow. So, um, the (laughs) next tradition is called Colonel Santa. When it comes to Christmas... I really thought you were going to go Colonel Sanders there for a (laughs) second. Well... (laughs) Hold your breath. Hold your breath. Five points. (laughs) The frazzle door. When it comes to Christmas, food is synonymous. You've got turkey, stuffing, roast potatoes, veg, and KFC? You heard me correctly. Yes, KFC. In Japan, KFC has become synonymous with Christmas after a successful marketing campaign in 1974, which, again, which was another campaign that may have solidified Santa's red and white attire in the East, like Coca-Cola did for the West. Families nationwide partake in a special Christmas Eve meal at KFC, creating an unexpected holiday tradition. I've heard Does of this. everyone do that? I don't know. I don't know if it's everyone, but it's a tra- it's like saying a tradition in, in, in the UK is stocking. Well, does everyone do yeah, it? No, no, but it's there. Imagine we had a tradition where every year you went to you went a, a, a fucking fast food restaurant. Them yeah. fast food restaurants would be flooded. Like yeah, yeah but like <laughs> even with like the Coca Cola campaign, it's not like everybody goes and buys Coca Cola on Christmas now, really. No, just like I, I guess it might have been like whenever. When was it? Nineteen seventy. Seventy four. Yeah. Seventy four. It probably peaked and then has been dropping since then. Probably. I think it was more interesting because when I was doing the whole research into the look of him, it was a lot of like, oh, you know, especially in Japan, the connotation of the red and white is mm. now a bit more closely solidified, not in just established more so through KFC. And I thought that's interesting. Mm. And I looked more into it. There's so many pictures of like the, like, I don't know, like the head of like Japan KFC, like shaking hands of like a, a Santa Claus or something with like a bucket of chicken. I'm like, this is so weird. Wow. <laughs> that is wild. That's a bit random. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Nothing to do with Santa, but I guess that was Coke, so... yeah. No, not at all. It's literally brown fizziness in it's a bottle. Colour association. <laughs> yeah. So the next one I have called 
Pickle Rick in a tree. Hiding presents is definitely part of the Christmas procedure. But did you know in Germany, the Christmas trees themselves have something to hide? And yes, you guessed it, a pickle. And the child who discovers it receives a special gift. The origin is debated with legends tracing it back to Germany or Spain. Ah. That's really cute. I bet that was just one like parent who did that for their kids and then their kids did it for their kids and then their kids and then it just spread. I think it just, that's well, cute. I, I kind of connected it to like, you know how, I don't know which pudding it is, especially in this country. I know other cultures do where they put a coin in it. Christmas pudding, yeah. In the Christmas pudding. And like, if someone was to read that outside of the country, outside of the tradition, you'd be like, well, that's kind of fucking dangerous. You're going to swallow a coin or die or check. But it's like, no, but it's, it makes sense when it's part of that, that tradition yeah. that you're going to raise. Mm. With. My, my family did that every year. Uh, put the the coin in the pudding. Yeah, oh. hurts my when you got feelings. Oh. <laughs> my family would be way. It is way too paranoid for that. Hundred and ten percent. Especially with you, it, you yeah. wolf your food down. You yeah. absolutely. You would have, have done a whole purse again. of money. <laughs> She'd be like, he's eating <laughs> seven. He's not spotting it. <laughs> Gonna get to the hospital. Like, how have you got copper poisoning? I just love coins. Just jingling the whole way. <laughs> jingle. <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell. I am poison. <laughs> Silly. So uh, the next one is called Roller Skate Mass. When we think of skating, at, when we think of skating at Christmas, the closest we may think is a spin in a festive ice skating rink. But remove the ice part and you're left with the Christmas tradition from Venezuela. Christmas morning in Caracas sees city dwellers roller skating to mass. Traditionally, children tie their skates to to their window on Christmas morning for friends to wake them up and hit the streets. Roads are closed to traffic and streets are packed with the masses on a different type of wheels. That's awesome. Oh, this is Venezuela, you said, sorry. Yes, it's it very sp- specifically Caracas within Venezuela. Oh. So again, it's, it's nice. a place okay. within a place now. I mean, it's a shame they're going to mass, because I mean, that's a bit, I mean, I assume boring. But I mean, I'm, 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 I'm on board for roller skating to like work that day. Or, or, yeah, you know, literally, just leaving everywhere. your roller skates outside that's for cute. your mates to come and knock on you, be like, hey, you just got your skates, let's go. That's, that's, that's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, like skate day, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to wake up on Christmas and maybe like, yeah, well, let's go, we're that... going to go skating. Yeah. <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that Caracas takes it so seriously that they're willing to close down rows that we would do for like, a, I don't know, a, a marathon run or a, a cycling event or something, I think that's even more cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's not it's just tough, unspoken. Yeah. The next one is called a festive sauna. The only steam we know of at Christmas is possibly the hot steam from the food, the drinks and the hot cup of cocoa, but not for Finland. Finnish homes equipped with saunas see families stripped down for a respectful Christmas Eve sauna. It is believed that their ancestors' spirits join in the bubbling water after the session in this tradition. Oh, hmm. sounds good. I mean, coming from a cold country, I would want a sauna even if it wasn't Christmas Eve, but I would imagine mm. that like treating I mean, yourself. How many people just have saunas? 
for that to become a tradition? That is a good or do you point. go to the sauna? Well, it's, I know in Finland, thing, it, a lot of houses are built with a sauna inside. It's like a standard Yeah, thing. I think it's something. In a lot of houses standard, in Finland, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I want a sauna. I'm going to be Finland. Yeah, I think the way we imagine things <laughs> to be of like, oh, you need to be quite well off to have certain things, certain commodities in homes. Obviously, in their countries, it's... Like, I remember standard. My... Saunas aren't like standard. expensive to build or anything, are they? They're like just wood and coal. A little room with the steam thing in there, that's what you need, yes. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think you need to build it in such a way. But I would imagine for such a cold country, that was probably looked as more of a almost more of a necessity, yeah. Mm. It's yeah. already in the plans, no issue, yeah. Kind mm. of, it's sort of like how in Europe, it's not this is not going to be a nearly as a, a comparison, but you know, like in Europe, they will just build a bidet, it's built into mm. their structure, it's, it's not even thought about. I think it might have that same sort of conception, mm. okay. I'd love to go like have a like a hot tub or go to a hot spring on like a christmas right christmas day well, christmas, i think especially as a so. christmas eve thing the idea of like your especially it's like it's a relaxing thing mm-hmm. and you get to do it with other people you sit you chill you talk you sweat but you talk as well mm. Mm. these are cool things i must admit yeah the next one is called shoes by the fire when we think of Santa Claus treats or bribes, I put, uh, we think of a glass of milk, cookies, and maybe some carrots for the reindeers to sweeten the deal and haul for the gifts in our stockings rather than cold. In the Netherlands, however, the tradition for Santa bribery, as I put it, is a little different. Dutch children place shoes by the fire, hoping Santa Claus will fill them with treats with carrots for Sinterklaas's horse and avoiding the threat of a potato instead of coal, as we would put it. What? Avoiding the threat of a potato instead of coal. They don't want a potato. They'd rather have coal. No, no, no. No, no, sorry. The way I word it, it's the threat of the potato instead of gifts compared to our coal, basically. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in our country, it's coal or gifts uh gifts for them it's a potato or gifts i mean that's a step up it's a step yeah. up from coal it's, yeah you can eat you can eat a potato but you can turn a coal you into do a lot with a potato you can turn it into alcohol if you really want I, to yeah Can't dude i don't think coal. i don't think kids can turn coal into diamond <laughs> you don't know that charlie i don't think you they would get coal Timmy's and be like oh my god we're rich <laughs> <laughs> how do you turn coal into diamond Pressure. You've a lot of pressure. Very pressure. The kid on Christmas. You like, get like a ah! tiny speck of a diamond. It would be a tiny speck. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Kind of combusted. <laughs> so this next one, I've actually had a direct person tell me about this and actually correct me. So I may have got some of these wrong or mispronounced certain things because I put this down as originally Belfana the witch. Just flame him in um, the comments if he's <laughs> wrong. People are like, I can't. But as Tanya corrected me, for Italy, it is Befana the Witch. No L. Befana the Witch. Uh She she kind of got excited about this. So this is a Christmas tradition, but it's done in January. But it's connected with the Christmas tradition vibe. So think Halloween meets Christmas. And what do you get? Befana, of course. In Italy, Befana, an old woman, visits children on the eve of January 6th, filling stockings with candy. Children leave treats for Bafana as she enters through the chimney. 
Huh? What? Wait. They leave gifts for her. Sort of the, the cookies and milk vibe. And then if she takes the treat for herself, and then she leaves you loads of sweets in your stockings. It's late, though. <laughs> this is, it's done as just a January thing. I don't know why but when I asked Tanya she was like you don't always necessarily it's not always about it's a bit of a Krampus and Santa Claus mix so if you've been bad she will come beat you with a stick <laughs> and then bite eat you and then drag you to hell I guess as well usually comes with the stick yes that does come with the stick I mean so, <laughs> yeah. so much of that uh, Tanya's she was reflecting that some of her family members have said that as a child, they swear that they like Bafana came to them in their in their dreams or in their sleep and hit them with a stick. Like they really put it into their head that much. Like she was like, my brother was scared yes. that you know he, he was convinced to this day that he was hit by a stick. And I'm like, okay, like I can't laugh, but um, well. they got they got they get loads of sweets. Apparently, it's a very sweet chocolate based time they get. Okay, that's cool. So the next one is called the Yule Cat. Meow. If the threat of cold, the cold, crazy family and socks wasn't bad enough on Christmas, then they are nothing compared to the Yule Cat of Iceland. From folklore, the Yule Cat is a huge and vicious cat that is said to lurk in the snowy countryside during the Christmas season and eat people and children that do not receive any new clothing to wear before Christmas Eve, emphasizing the buying of new clothes before then, as is their tradition. I mean, children are people. just want to clarify that for our audience. Um, they're not two separate things. Children are people. We you support that message. You have not met Jimmy, okay? <laughs> it sounds like a marketing campaign. I the think of buy our clothes, or we'll send the cat. The yule cat. Or we'll send the cat. Yeah, the yule cat. Man, I just thought like that was a crazy. really good excuse for your children to have clothes and not be like, "I want toys," but you have to have it before Christmas Eve, which is strange. Maybe it's like a survival thing of it's cold. Wear your coats and jackets and hoodies and gloves and I, I don't know. I don't actually know, but that's there is a Do big you know, threat. The more you like explain about all the different countries and stuff, the more it kind of reflects religion a lot more and how it like there's always a if you don't this will get you you know there's always a catch that like you know if you're if you don't believe in god if you don't worship god you will go to hell you know if it's it's kind of fucked up it's It's really manipulative messy yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's a tool and a device trying to instill a baseline of morals into people that not everyone shares yeah, yeah. So it's basically, yeah, it's it's that level, but it's obviously someone else's stand. It's not, and again, it comes with like the sort of the deadly sins and what to do, and sort of the word and rules of God. And I do understand it, and I especially understand it at a time where maybe people needed it more. But I don't know. Maybe if we're not raised with that guilt trip, people would be more likely the pros and cons. You'd be some people being much more free, and I would imagine some people much more of the wild west side of. I think we go try and remember like all of these traditions are like from way but way way back in the day right when the internet wasn't really a thing it was everyone was a lot more religious or spiritual in some kind of way so for them to like have some kind of threat with religion would make a lot more sense than being like you know gonna confiscate your ipad if you're naughty or something it wouldn't have had the same effect Mm. so i think that would have been the prime way of keeping people in check 
So it kind of does make sense that it has Good a main focus it. to it. Mm. Yeah. Just like, yeah, it's just mad that like everything was almost a fable to tell you if you're not, yeah. this will happen to you. Yeah. Like yeah. keeping people in order. I think Christmas I think was a whole... device. It's, it's, I think it's all lessons, right? We all try to teach our children to be good, to be nice, to be, you know, morally sound. And I think no matter what's going to come out of the world, it's going to be funneled into, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. You're yeah. going to be eating mm-hmm. a giant cat mm-hmm. in the snow. Yeah, that's the thing. And it just seems excessive now. But I guess maybe back then it was a lot more. Things were weird. Things were weird back then. History. Right. <laughs> History. The more you know. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> So uh, the next one is called Christmas Caterpillars. We all love some Christmas grub, but we also love oh, we also love gummy bears in the shape of caterpillars, right? The sweets. Hmm. So how do we choose? Well, boys, we don't because in South African Christmas dishes take an unconventional turn with festive fried caterpillars. Mm. Specifically, the Christmas caterpillar believed to bring luck in the festive time. <gasps> the Christmas caterpillar. What does it look like? Has it got a hat? I don't. I actually don't know. <laughs> I, don't I, would, know. I would check it out. <laughs> hey, how Imagine you doing like now? Mr. Hanky hey. the Christmas poo, but as a caterpillar. <laughs> He's just there getting into the uh, into the boiling oil, but like, oh, this is my Christmas sauna. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's hallucinogenic. Oh. No way. What are you doing? <laughs> I really, you, I, you know, I don't know. I know it sounds disgusting, but I'm like, I bet it's really crunchy and really nice. Yeah, I imagine, no, it sounds yeah. actually quite nice. I imagine the caterpillar's like red and green, and I don't know, probably black or yeah. something. Uh, you, uh, you, you can Google it. You can absolutely do the Google okay, thing Google. with the button. What does a Christmas caterpillar look like? Whoops. Christmas. And where did you say this was a tradition in South Africa? Yes, Charlie's favorite place. Ah, oh, uh, it's hi. colorful. Oh. Let me see. I mean, I'm getting a lot of cake, but I think this is basically it. Orange and black. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's too hairy. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm okay. I'll yeah, I mean, these all hairy. look a lot just like maggots, if you can see yeah. them. Just... Got your blood, Maggot-y yeah. things. Okay, 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 okay. I'm done. I'm okay. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Stop Googling. All three of you are Googling stuff now. You know. Oh, I mean, this one is red and green, if that if that answers your question. Uh, yeah, there was a red and green one. Okay. That's what Charlie showed me. Okay. Oh, my Thank God. <laughs> that isn't a real caterpillar. Right there, <laughs> that, was a, that was a cake. <laughs> Suddenly I'm not hungry. The next one is called Hide Your Brooms. Hide your brooms, hide your wife, hide your brooms. The sight of the robin in the sky is a sign of winter times and the festive time to come. But for Norway, they are only one of the many signs in the sky of Christmas time. Norwegian folklore associates Christmas Eve with mischievous spirits and witches Taking to the skies. <laughs> we could, we could, we could add, add a better laugh there. We'll just pitch up, actually. <laughs> I can't go any higher. And to prevent this family's, oh, sorry, and to prevent these witches in the sky, families traditionally hide sweeping sticks slash brooms to keep them away. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so they put brooms out to scare witches. No. They hide their brooms so they don't have nothing to fly with. 
O's, they hide their own brooms. They like, hide their if, own brooms. Yeah, they hide their own Because the witches would knock at the door, go into their like go into the house, take the broom, and then be- Partly, and then fire it. Hey, it wasn't here last witches. year. Where did you put it? Seems Where's the broom? <laughs> just walk into the kitchen. It's just a massive witch. They're like, excuse me. Um, <laughs> listen, it was here last week. I've only seen a dustpan and brush. I ain't doing that again. Where's your broom? <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> a dustpan and brush. <laughs> a dustpan and brush witch. Just some cheap bitch. Like, I got there late. Ah! <laughs> so, the next one is called Christmas Turkey and Goose, but not my duck, because some people eat duck. We all have our own Christmas traditions with family and TV. For some, it may be the Queen's Speech. For others, it may be Home Alone or Rudolph the Reindeer. For Sweden, however, it is the unique tradition involving families gathering around the TV at 3 p.m. on Christmas Day to watch the 1958 Donald Duck Christmas special. Hey. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I could not do the voice I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> you did really well. <laughs> That doesn't oh, come most through. Of that didn't come through. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense. Spazzing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope. now just like, no, that's copyright. <laughs> Disney, what? What Disney you, entered what the chat. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is called Alternative Christmas Tree from New Zealand. So Kiwis embrace the, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. And I didn't do my research, so I'm not going to try. Pohu Tukawa. Pohu Tukawa tree as their Christmas symbol. Distinct from the traditional conifers. This tree is a bright crimson. Sorry, this uh, tree has bright crimson flowers and beachside barbecues define their festive season. It is, I must admit, a... It's a crimson flower and barbecues is their Christmas tradition because it's the other side of the world, so it's summer. It is a beautiful tree. Mm-hmm. If you do look it up, it is a very beautiful... It's still very festive, but it's got more of the red vibe to it. What's and it called again? What's it called, sorry? So I'm going to give you the spelling. P-O-H-U-T-U-K-A-W-A tree. Oh, it does look kind of cool. Wow. That's pretty. It's, it's, it's pretty. It looks like someone's just chucked cans of red paint on top of a tree. Like, it's so... The Christmas tree vibe, isn't it? Be- like, it's over- super vibrant, yeah. Yeah, it really just pops. Wow, in HD, it's even more amazing. Whoa. I want one of these probably, trees. Can we get one of these trees? Just, a cool I think tree. you're just looking at the tree, mate. What? Yeah, I am. What? <laughs> no, you said HD. I'm like, no, the, the tree's just in front of you. You're like, it's so real. <laughs> I'm just outside oh, in a field. You're just outside. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Just Charlie's like, oh, Charlie, there's a yule cut behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is around beating you with dustpan and brushes. Trying to hell out there. Trying to hell. So, the next one we go, I call a very fussy goat. Bah. Oh, goat. Sorry if we said goat. goat. No, this is why I'm making the noises. I'm trying to, you know, I need to clarify. And I know it's... the mic isn't as clear. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that one person in the house who wants the decorations and traditions 
to be just right. The stocking at the right angle, the tree and adjoining decorations perfectly spaced out. Well, Sweden can do one better. The Yule Goat. Meh. A symbol dating back to ancient times transforms into the Gavle Goat, a massive straw sculpture constructed yearly since 1966. In Sweden, people believe the Yule Goat to be an invisible spirit that would appear before Christmas to make sure the holiday preparations were done correctly. The goat eventually took on the role of a gift, give, of a gift giver and is sometimes seen in the place of or alongside Santa, who is called Yolten Ten. Yolten Ten. Hmm? So the this goat, Yolten Ten. Yes. Oh, okay. So this goat, if when I saw pictures of it, it's like a straw sort of creation of it. Mm. It looks really familiar. Like I feel like I've seen this scattered around in certain places. Maybe like this decorations. If I'm not mistaken, oh, I didn't add it on here. Some people kind of use it as like a very light-hearted neighbor prank where they put the goat outside their window at night. So mm. it's like the goat sort of watching your house like, hey, have you done it all properly? Have you prepped everything all right? Ah, nice. Okay. You, That's yeah, cool. You can type, you can type the Yule goat uh, and it's it's a really familiar, but really. Oh, like, yeah. They sell them in Tiger. Yes. Yes. Flying Tiger. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the stationary store. The stationary I might get one of them. Not, not in a Tiger. They're really beautiful, though. Yeah, they are cute. Oh, I mean, yeah, they just call it a straw goat on here, but you know, yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's what it is. It is now. Hmm. So the next one, and we're nearing the end of the of the tradition, is called, and I put it as the the giant lantern festival. In brightest day, in blackest night, no Christmas shall escape my sight. Let those who worship festers, festives might beware my power. The giant lantern festivals light. <clears throat> I sound like something from it. DC. That's it. That took me <laughs> like an hour to write. No, that is. That's a play on the Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Sounded like it. So this is, and this I would definitely Google. This is a Philippine tradition originating with the idea of recreating the Star of Bethlehem. This festival features a competition of giant parole lanterns where people submit their giant lanterns, adjourning the city, showing their faith, festivities, and even with the possibility of prizes. San Fernando's Lig Liglian Parole, the giant lantern festival illuminating the Philippines, has become so renowned and popular that the city has been nicknamed the Christmas capital of the Philippines. This stuff is beautiful. Just put Giant Lantern Festival Philippines. It is so oh, beautiful. Cool. Sorry for our listeners. We'll put some maybe some visuals up on YouTube, but um, Google it if you can. It's just beautiful, man. It's all over the city. Nice. Let's have a look. Oh, cool. So yeah. Like a festival of lights. Literally, yeah. and it's all about wow. recreating the Star of Bethlehem. But it looks so cool, man. The whole—I mean, the, the 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 city has been nicknamed the Christmas capital of the Philippines. Imagine getting that tag in any country, the mm. Christmas capital of that country. That's awesome. That's really cool. I bet them things are huge. <laughs> them big disc things that surround yeah. the. They, they look. They look like small Ferris wheels, man. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. Mm. Yeah, we'll put some images in the description. 
Oh, definitely. Maybe, yeah, maybe in the tradition, uh, description, maybe on YouTube, just a little picture. Now, do you know what, audience? Just bloody Google it. Yeah. Well done, man. It's really cool. We've done the bloody work. Google it. All right. <laughs> I'll and even do you one. Our listeners. <laughs> okay, Google. <laughs> Find me a picture of uh, the. Fuck it. I can't remember what they were now. Alexa, I hope that, I hope book flights to phones. the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> Name. I wonder Charlie if it'll work. Eastwick. Fraser Roberts. No. <laughs> yes. Uh. So, boys, lastly, we end with a rather controversial controversial Christmas tradition, but one that us as the Red Jackson have actually witnessed and actually mentioned. In Dutch tradition, Sinterklaas has a helper named Zwarte Piet, or Black Pete, who usually appears as a black-faced character with large gold earrings and exaggerated lips. In the weeks leading up to the Saints' Names Day, Saints' Name Day, uh, cities and towns host parades featuring hundreds of white people dressed as Piet. Now, tradition in the form of a parade was, this was one we saw back in 2015, 2017. And I just put, boys, what do we remember? And what do we think? Is that what it was? Mm. It was, it was just like, came out of nowhere. It's like, like you said, we just wanted to cross the road and suddenly there was this um, parade. <laughs> I think you two guys got to watch it from the uh, window, window, yeah, on the window. window. Yeah, and yeah then, was, do you know what? It, was, it looked fun. Like it, it looked, looked like everyone was having a really good time. It looked, it looked fun from a distance. You know, they had they closed off the whole road. Everyone was like gathered on the sides. We were like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, yeah. Throwing and, um, sweets out at everyone. Bro, they were throwing <laughs> cookies. I stood cookies, there, yeah. and don't get me wrong. This black-faced white guy looks at me, and I'm like, already uncomfortable. I'm mm. enjoying the vibe. I'm like, I'm kind of questioning myself a little bit. And, you know, we was in Dam. There was a little bit of tripping. And this guy just throws <laughs> fucking cookies at me, man. I pulled myself around the brick wall. And he's like, da, 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 And I'm like, it was that. It was like, it was like New Year's again, right? Like, New Year's. New Year's, the little kids were throwing, like, like sparklers and shit on the floor. And they were so mm. happy. And it the cherry bombs. Like, yeah. yeah, cherry bombs. That and was it was terrifying. the same year. I'm like, am I a pussy? Am I wrong? Am I broken? There's cookies being thrown at me. I'm closing my eyes. The kids are like, yeah, boom, straight to the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess piss me off more. <laughs> I guess nobody questions it. It's just really odd, like just to see yeah, so casual it, blackface. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't imagine well. it'd be around much longer. I think it's or I think it's already stopped. Oh, yeah, has it? Yeah. I don't so, think they do it anymore. This tradition, as reported heavily, actually divided the country as many deemed it to be racist in this controversial X tradition, leading to many protests and debates. When I looked into this, there was a heck of a lot of protests. Uh, it has since been cancelled and taken out of holiday traditions in these parades. I think it was taken out not long after we actually uh, yeah. saw it. So probably, Wow, so we might have seen one of the last couple of ones. We've actually witnessed a tradition that no longer exists. They have an alternative tradition, which I think is slightly better. I, I get it. They're still keeping a tradition. And it's basically just like all the elves that try to help them. They've got a little bit of like, a little bit of soot on the face. Oh, right. There's nothing, there's nothing else. There's no exaggerated lips or earrings or jewelry. It's just more like, hey, you know, we've come down the chimney to help. And that's more of the vibe now. Right. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Still, though, strange times. Mm. Yeah. Bonus tradition! Boom! Caught you off guard. You had no idea. Whoa! 
<laughs> well, I call this bonus tradition impish or admirable. Some people nice. may already like know of this. This is because it's actually not mine. Impish or admirable. So our officially last tradition to be mentioned is the beloved, well-known and renowned Belschnickel. This, of course, refers to the portrayal of Belschnickel within The Office by Dwight Schrute, played by Rain Wilson. Wilson. Wilson? Wilson. Uh, I don't know his name. Anyway. Dwight as Belschnickel, dressed in furs with a switch and a disheveled appearance, he takes on the role of a judge uh, of character and decides whether people have been impish or admirable during the year. Carrying a switch, which is basically like a hard branch, uh, with him to lightly, and I put in brackets lightly, uh, hit the impish uh, individuals and offer gifts or treats to those deemed admirable. The character of Belschnickel allows Dwight to infuse his German heritage and love for unique traditions into the holiday festivities, creating a memorable and amusing moment in the series. Now, I didn't know this, but looking into this, I thought this would be just a fun little additive as a bonus. This actually, for those not in the know, is, is actually a real character in some parts of German folklore. Belschnickel is related to other companions of St. Nicholas in the folklore of German-speaking Europe. He may have been based on the older German myth, Necht Ruprecht, a servant of St. Nicholas and a character from the northern Germany. Unlike those uh, figures, Belschnickel does not accompany St. Nicholas, but instead visits alone and combines both the threatening and the benign aspect, which in other traditions are divided between St. Nicholas and the uh, companion fi figure such as Krampus. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. It's cool. This based on a real thing because that is quite a funny scene from the office. Uh, it is. It is hilarious. Yeah. I had no idea though. <laughs> Just like beating fucking Jim with the switch. <laughs> I love it when they call a, a stick like a hitting stick a switch. Get me a switch. <laughs> I just always remember it when um, oh, what's her name, man? Britta just Britta. brings her the switch. She's so happy about it, and Troy's just like, I don't understand you! She's just fucking beating her on the arse with it. <laughs> I love it's it. A good switch. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go for the outro now, boys. Mm. All of these diverse and unique traditions add a rich tapestry to the global celebration of Christmas, demonstrating the myriad of ways cultures express joy and festivities. So I end today's podcast with Cue the royalty-free Christmas music! That's what you do do. Ding dong, dang dong. <laughs> background, right, <that> background. <laughs> you have all come from far and wide to listen to us discuss and stutter. And in this moment, you begin to surmise whether this has all been a waste of your time. Well, worry not, because Finn it is, and not a moment more left to have been. So wrap up warm and snuggle tight as Red Jack's on pushes through the festive night. We could say one last thing, but that would be the ends of your string. So I finally end this podcaster's plan, wishing you all a Merry Christmas from Rick, Charlie, Fraser and Sir. Thank you for listening. I have been your festive host and with me as always has been your jolly lad. Charlie! Your merry man. Saint Rickmas. Uh, fuck you and your sugar plum sir sugar plum 
<laughs> Fraser. <laughs> Fraser. Enjoy the holidays, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah. 100 more Christmas. Christmas uh, times 55. 100 more Christmas. <laughs> Boys, 100 more. What are you, Christmas lads? Forever. What?